Welcome to University Autism and You, the podcast designed to support your university journey, the decisions, choices and challenges you might face along the way. Throughout this podcast series, we'll be hearing from a diverse range of current university students about their experiences, thoughts and impressions. And we're your hosts. I'm Scott. And I'm Freya. And we're based at Cardiff University and run outreach programmes for autistic young people. In this episode, I'll be discussing the university timeline and when you might go to university. And I'll be discussing the grades and course requirements and all those other bits. So let's jump right in. So in the last episode, we talked about what university is and and the kinds of subjects that you might study at university. But quite often it can be confusing thinking about when you go and how that might fit in with your plans. So Freya, I guess when you go out to schools, the traditional route that we usually talk about would be doing your GCSEs, doing your A-levels or maybe another course like BTECs, and then you would go straight to university at 18. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's generally what people expect to do. And I think that's what schools talk about the most as well. So going to university after sixth form or college. Yeah. So I suppose there are some benefits to going straight after school or college. I think the most obvious one to me, and it's probably why a lot of people might do it, is all of your friends will be going at the same time. Did you did you think about this when you were going to university? Yeah, I think that it was the assumption that I made to go straight from school or college because that's kind of when it's all going on as well. Like you said, your friends, you know, your school or college will be talking about university and writing your application and things like that. So I think it naturally feels like the time when you're supposed to go, quote unquote, supposed to go. But I think there are definitely some other benefits. So I think maybe you're in that kind of study mindset because you've just been, you know, doing your A-levels or BTECs and then you're already thinking in that way. You get a lot of support from from teachers and from the school as well, don't you? So as you said, everyone is gearing up or, or a lot of people will be thinking about going to university. So, so the school or college will be set up to support you to do that. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the key benefit of going straight from college or sixth form, if having that support and the fact that you, you're familiar, you're, you're thinking about studying a lot and it's uh, all the subjects and stuff are fresh in your mind. Yeah, definitely. But not everyone does that. So I think quite often people assume that you have to go to university straight after college or sixth form. But there are lots of other ways to go. So as we said, we work at Cardiff University and we have students of all ages who come and study with us. There'll be some people who left school after doing their GCSEs. They didn't think education was for them. And 20, 30, 40 years later, they decide, actually, I I know what I want to study now. And and they re-engage with their education and find a subject that they love. So that's it's probably the opposite end of the scale, isn't it, to going straight after school? Yeah, and I think that there's no one way to do it, which is something that we'll probably talk about quite a lot in this podcast. Is you know something I remember when I was in my second year at university, and there was a student who was in one of my seminars, and she was in her forties, and something that really struck me was there were some some students in that class that weren't that interested. And I think that they'd done the, the kind of classic university thing of walking into it without necessarily thinking about it too much straight from college. Um, and then she was there and her 
interest in the subject was almost, you know, something I hadn't really come across before compared to some of the other students I knew. So I think that maybe what to think about is when do I feel like I really want to do it? Do I really want to do it now? Or should I try some other stuff and then see if I really want to do it? And that's maybe a good judgment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Did you go straight to university? I did. And then I dropped out because I didn't particularly like my course. So then I had a year out, which wasn't exactly planned, but it actually worked really well for me. So quite a few people will plan a year. Um, For example, to travel is the classic thing to do, having a gap year and travel somewhere. Other people will not necessarily plan a year, but just take, you know, a step back once they've finished school, maybe you want a break from learning and then work, for example, which is what I ended up doing. I just got a part-time job, did a few other things, learned to drive, that kind of thing that I hadn't had the chance to do before. So I took some time out like that and then really thought about what I wanted to do. And that definitely helped me get perspective about what was important to me at the time and what kind of university I wanted to go to which was quite helpful. And I think it's a really good point that you raise because you're a great example of someone who went to university, discovered that that course wasn't for them, so dropped out. But then you you went back to university, to a different university at a later point. And I'm assuming you enjoyed it because you continued (laughs) through it and and went on to postgraduate study as well. Yeah, definitely. It was like a, a totally different experience for me once I'd had some time to think and actually think for myself what I wanted to do, which I didn't give myself that time before. So I think it's really important to think, what do I really want to do? And it might not be that obvious at first, because trying to decide that when you're at school or college is difficult. And, you know, it's easy to think very long term. So I think taking your time to think about it and try and figure out what it is that you really enjoy is totally worth it. And I think it will make all the difference. Yeah, I took a slightly different route. So I, I went to college and all of my friends went off to university and I actually went two years later. So for the first year, I, I ended up doing a different course in college. So yeah, I did some different subjects, which which I enjoyed more. And then I took another year out where I, I went and worked in a different country. Oh, where? I worked in Venezuela. Nice. Yeah, so very different. Um, I worked in a college in Venezuela, so it was interesting seeing the differences. But at the time, all of my friends were in university. So it was a bit weird waiting Mm. because I felt like they were having this experience and should I be doing it at the same time? But I think having that time helped me realize what I wanted to study. So it was an extra two years. I had actually applied to study music at university. And by the time I'd finished my, my two years away, I changed plans and wanted to study social sciences instead. So I think that was helpful. It it made me realize what I did want to study. Yeah. And I think it can it can be almost harder to maybe take a step back and do something else first, especially if you're, all your friends are doing similar things. It takes a maybe a bit of bit more confidence to do that, but it comes down to what feels right for you. And I think, I don't know, going to Venezuela to uh, teach in a college does sound quite nice. Yeah, it was definitely sunnier and hotter than the weather we have in Wales. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I obviously I, I came back and went to university afterwards and I'm really glad I did it now. It's funny that we both started, you know, Scott, you started by saying about the traditional route to university is going straight from college or sixth form. And in the end, that's neither of us did that. 
So yeah, that's it's true. probably more common than you might expect to take some time out to do various different things, whether that's travel or work, and then go at a later date. Yeah. And I guess the other thing to think about with going to university is what do you need to do to get there? So we talk about GCSEs quite often being important and and maybe A-levels. But Freya, you go out to schools quite a lot and advise students on GCSEs and, and what they need to do. So would you say they're important for getting into university? The main thing I think that GCSEs are important for is actually to figure out what you like and dislike. So before I go into that, I, I probably should say that obviously your GCSE grades are kind of uh, immediately important for getting into a college or a sixth form, which you might study A-levels or BTECs at which is then important for you to go to university, if you like. But in terms of the GCSE grades and university application, they're not as important, obviously, as your A-levels or BTECs. They will probably get checked. So I think it's important to remember that that universities can look at your GCSE grades, uh, particularly things like English and maths. But I think in terms of thinking about your GCSEs and possibly going to university, it's actually more valuable to think about them as an experiment to see what you like and what you don't like is just as important. I think there are some key subjects where GCSEs are very important and universities might look at the grades. So some of the examples we often use are medicine or dentistry or nursing, where a certain level of maths and English would be required. But even if you're hoping to do one of those courses and you don't have the right GCSE grades, you can resit or some universities offer courses that you can do to bump up the grade that you have. Um, so it's always worth looking into it and talking to the university to see if they could offer you something if your GCSEs don't match the requirements that they're asking for. Uh, yeah, I agree, Scott. I think that's the main thing I talk about with uh, students at school is some of them are important, but also it's an important test for you to figure out what subjects you might be interested in just as much. Definitely. And after GCSEs, obviously, students might go on to study A-levels or BTECs. So there are lots of other courses that you can do now in sixth form and college. So did you study A-levels? Yes, I did do A-levels. I think that whilst you don't have to do A-levels, and it's nice to have the choice about the different things you can study, it will depend on what your school offers or what your uh, your college offers. And I think that A-levels tend to be the most common course that you do to go then go on to university which does mean that there's the most accessible advice and information about A-levels might be a little bit trickier to find more information about entry requirements and things for other qualifications but I think they're becoming more and more popular so universities are putting more and more information out there. Yeah I think they are so I mentioned earlier that I did an extra year in college and I actually did one year of A-levels and then I swapped over to the International Baccalaureate which is, it's very similar. It's just structured in a slightly different way. And that added a year onto my studies. I suppose it's worth saying, look into it because there might be options in your local area and there might be colleges that could do different subjects that you're interested in. But universities are much better at looking at a variety of different qualifications now. Yeah. So as you said, Freya, A-levels are probably still the most popular, but there's BTECs, there's the International Baccalaureate, and then there are pre-university foundation programs that some colleges or universities offer. So the university websites are are better at giving some of those, but if your qualification isn't there, 
just contact the university and ask them for advice. Do you know what it was uh, that made you want to switch to do the International Baccalaureate? Or you might see that referred to as the IB as well. So for me, I was able to study more subjects and there was a bit more variety. And I also liked the fact that the IB isn't just about the courses that you study, but it's about some of the extra things you do outside. So we did things like community service and you had to do something that was creative, something that was active and something that would give back to the community. And I really liked that element because it added something to what I was doing in class as well. Yeah, that does sound good, I have to say. Being able to do stuff that's outside of the classroom. And I think that's part of the reason that people choose to study BTECs as well. So the, I think it's the BTEC level three, which is uh, regarded as equivalent to A-levels. And they are more focused on practical assessments and employability in their subject matter, which might appeal to you. And I think, as Scott said, it's important for you to think about what you might find interesting and what you might want to do to contribute to your qualifications, because now, you know, you have choices you know, whereas you might not have had in your previous years at school, you have to do GCSEs, for example, and these ones, you have more options. Yeah, definitely. And I think we haven't mentioned the Welsh baccalaureate, but as we're in Wales, I think we, we should mention that because universities in Wales certainly do accept it. But most universities in England do as well. But some people will still choose to do three A levels on top of it. But, but that's a very popular course for students in Wales. Yeah, it's nice to have these choices, I think. And again, I think I feel like that's something we're saying a lot is there's so many choices and it can be overwhelming when there's so much to choose. And how are you supposed to know which one is right for you? And it is tricky, but I think also it's easy to not really think about it, especially if there's teachers or family telling you that you need to fill, fill in this form or do this timetabling thing so that you can get onto, you know, your next um, course and, you know, think about what course you want to do. There's a, I don't know about you, Scott, but I would always kind of naturally, like, instinctively resist anything that the teachers would be getting on my case to do <laughs> like that. If they tell you to do it, you automatically back away and think, no, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, oh, it just feels like work, doesn't it? So you don't really fancy doing it, especially if it was about your future, because it was, uh, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So it was hard to figure it out. So I just naturally thought yeah. I'd rather be doing something else. So I think it is hard to give yourself that time to think about it. But it is, it is yeah. important. And I think the probably the main message that we would want listeners to pay attention to is take time. If you're not sure about what you want to do at university, then you can take some time out. You don't have to go straight after sixth formal college. And sometimes that time can be really helpful. It might mean that you you study the right course rather than choosing the wrong thing to study. Yeah. Um, and and it's not the end of the world if you if you do have to take a year or two or ten out. University is always an option later on down the line. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about grades and course requirements a little bit now, aren't we? Yeah. So another thing that you probably come across when you're thinking about we're talk, talking about these different options in terms of subjects and things like that, but also one of the key things about university is obviously you have to write an application and they pay attention to what grades you're getting and different courses and different universities will have different required grades from some of your GCSEs and then A-levels or BTECs. And I think something you'll probably come across, you might already be aware of is things like university league tables. And, you know, some universities are better than other universities in different ways. It's something that 
you haven't really been faced with before because at school you're just at school and you're not necessarily thinking about where you want to apply in terms of what's the best university that I can get into with the grades that I've got and these kinds of questions. So if you were to look at a university league table in the UK and you'd see here's the top 10 universities in the UK, I mean, that's a list of information, but what does that actually mean? You know, what does it mean if one university is higher than on the list than another university? So Scott, what kind of thing contributes to university league tables? I have to be honest, I sometimes get a bit frustrated by league tables because I think it suggests that there's one university that's better than all the other universities. As we've talked about just now, it really depends on each individual person and what they want to study. So you might have one university that's the best in a certain subject, but if they teach that subject in a way that doesn't appeal to you, it could be a very academic subject that's lots of coursework and writing essays. And if that's not what your strength is, then that university isn't going to be the right university for you. I would say look at league tables because you can get some very interesting information from them, but don't just take the initial ranking as, well, that university must be must be better because you might want to look at what the teaching staff to student ratio is. You might want to look at how many contact hours there are, the feedback that students have given, the kinds of facilities that are available for the course. So there are so many different things. So I'd probably say don't pay too much attention to the league tables, certainly not the overall ranking. The other thing to look at, as you were saying, is the entry requirements and and what grades they're asking for and what subjects you might need to get onto that university course. Yeah. And you'll find a uh, a lot of differences here. I think um, I agree completely with Scott about the the league tables are, I feel like, a science all of themselves and they can be helpful, for example, as a starting point. But everyone, every individual will have their own interests when it comes to deciding what is right about that university and what might not be right. So a key part of that might be the grade requirements and you'll have a range of grades for different universities. So, for example, a computer science course at Cardiff would have... I think it's double A, B to triple B on their entry requirements for A-levels. And this is kind of linking back to what we were saying about A-levels are the most easily accessible information. So they're kind of right there when you first go onto a course page. And all of that information is on university websites. And that'll give you the range of what they will initially accept, but that doesn't necessarily tell you the whole story. And then you'll have a computer science course at another university which might have a lower entry requirement or a lower range of entry requirements and vice versa you know you can have certain courses that will be generally harder to get into like Scott says things like medicine as everyone knows is the hallmark kind of course medicine dentistry that have quite high entry requirements and other courses might have low entry requirements. There's maybe a bit of a secret about entry requirements that I don't know if we should say or not, but I think it might be helpful that just because the university has, yeah, we have to say it now, (laughs) just because the university has high entry requirements, it doesn't mean that it's a really good course. And I think sometimes when you're looking through universities, you might see uh, a university that's asking for three A's and you think, well, that must be a good university and a good course because that's what it's asking for, but still do some research. It might just mean that they receive lots of applications. So to be able to differentiate between them, they can ask for a higher grade. 
but it doesn't mean that some of the courses that ask for lower requirements uh, are worse in any way. But yeah, actually, that's something that led me to go to the wrong university because I looked at lead tables because I thought that's what I should do. I looked at, you know, the grade requirements and thought, what well, basically I'm going to pick the university that I can get into that's highest up the lead tables with the grades that I can get. And that's what I did. Um, and the course was terrible. It was really badly supported. You know, the university was basically much more interested in supporting other co- other types of courses because that was, where it was its main thing. And it was really bad for me. The course was not at all reflected by the amount of work I had to put into to get the grades to get into it. This is something that we'll probably cover in a later episode, but because we've talked a little bit about all the different things you should consider, many of our listeners might be autistic. So one of the things we would definitely advise is talk to the Student Support Centre and find out what support they can offer you if you feel you need any support, because the course might be brilliant, but if they can't offer you the support that you need to make the most out of your university experience, then maybe you'd need to consider a different university. Last thing to say about thinking about different universities' requirements and grades and things is that a university degree is a university degree. Um, Once you come out of university with your degree, uh, it doesn't say, you know, this is a university degree of this type that this specific university awarded you in that way. It's instead a degree. It's the same qualification if you go to one university to another university. And, you know, if you get a two, what's called a 2-1 at one university, that's the same as a 2-1 from another university. So yeah, it's still a really right. valued qualification no matter where you go. Yeah, when you're looking for future jobs or something, it might just say a degree in a certain subject but it won't specify that you have to have a degree from a certain university. So yeah, that's a helpful tip, I think, Freya. Okay, so moving on, we're thinking about exams and grades and things like that. And obviously grade requirements mean that you have to achieve a certain grade to get into a certain course. Um, So what happens if you struggle with your exams or your grades? Perhaps that's a one-off situation where you've had a bad experience in one of your final exams and you know it's going to affect your final grades or if it's something that you struggle with regardless and you just think that it's not something that you're naturally very into. I mean, who is naturally into doing coursework and exams and things? Do you mean you didn't love doing exams and coursework? I thought that's what you loved about (laughs) being in school and uni. Yeah, I mean, you would think that maybe that's... That's true, but no, I don't. I I'm not sure that I know anybody who would say they love exams and coursework. Yeah, maybe I think that's prefer fair. one to the other. That's definitely <laughs> quite common, um, and I think exams are definitely quite low down on that list. But what can you do if you struggle with your exams and you're worried about, you know, if you're going to get the right grades to get into university? What are your options? This is a really good question, and I think it's something that a lot of students would experience that worry about exam grades and and what's going to happen in the future. And at the time when you're doing GCSEs or A-levels or or BTECs and you're waiting for your results, it seems like the most important thing ever. And it is for you because you've worked hard and you're waiting for these grades. And the best thing you can do is prepare. So do as much as you can to do well in those exams. But you're right, Freya, sometimes it just doesn't work out maybe you're having a bad day or or something just doesn't work out in the exam. And there are always other options. So it might be that all of your friends end up going to university and you take a year out. And that can be really difficult at the time. 
but they were always at the roots. And I would say if that happens, contact the university, speak to your teachers, speak to your parents, because there will be advice available to you to help you find different routes. But one of the things that we talk about is clearing. And that's when universities offer up all of the extra places that they have that they haven't yet filled. So for students who maybe applied to a university, didn't get the right grades, maybe they were one grade out, they can then go and look on results day to see what other courses are available at other universities. But I think the most important thing I would say there is don't jump into it. Don't just take any course because you're desperate to get to university. Remember all of that preparation that we've talked about, making sure the course is right for you, the university is right for you, and that the support is right. And if you don't think you can tick all of those things, then take some time. And if that means going to university a year later, then then that's probably the best option. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Some top advice there, some Scott advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's something that I've missed, but um, yeah, I think it's try not to panic. It's really easy to say, but there are lots of people who can give you advice. Call universities if if you need some advice with what to do. Yeah, definitely. I think not not panicking is uh, always the first port of call, the first thing you want to try and do. Not panic, and then as Scott said, preparation and not get all caught up in it. Now, we actually have a little game because I love trying to come up with a game. And I wondered if I can get you at home and Scott to guess what these people studied at college and university. So I'm going to give you a career or, you know, a, a job title. And I want you to see if you can guess what this person studied at college. So... A levels or BTECs, and what they studied at university. And this is an authentic game, isn't it? So, for the listeners at home, Freya has actually hidden the answers from me, so I'm not allowed to see them. Yes. So, so I have no idea what's coming up and what the answers are. <laughs> and these also are real are real people. So I haven't just made this up. So these are two examples of real people and what they actually studied. So it's a hundred percent legit. That's what Great. we're saying. I feel the pressure. I feel like having worked <laughs> 10 years in a university, I should be able to answer these. So we'll see if that's uh, if that's going to happen. No pressure. No pressure at all. I mean, definitely no pressure for you at home. Maybe a little bit of pressure on Scott because he's <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> okay, so the first, the first job, the first person is a banker. And that's all I'm going to give you. So they're a banker. What do you think they studied at college and what do you think they studied at university? Okay, so I guess the... Well, when you think of bankers, you think of maths and having to be good with numbers. So I would guess if they were in college or sixth form, they might have done maths. Um, Maybe they would have done something like business studies. That's available in some colleges and sixth forms. Um, are, Are there three subjects? Is that what we're going for? Yes, they've done three subjects at college. Okay. So yeah, I'd say maths, maybe business, and I don't know, maybe let's throw English in there because I think it it's uh, English is one of those subjects that can be helpful whatever you end up doing. Oh, okay. Well, very good logical process there, I have to say. So this person studied economics, which is very close to maths and business, very similar. 
um, and they did history and English. Great, nice. So I would yeah, say so two out of three. Yeah, pretty much. thanks. You've been you've been quite kind there. I think. I like to be generous. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And yeah, I guess this highlights again, doesn't it, that some sixth form schools might have economics as a subject and some might not, but it doesn't matter too much because entry requirements are generally quite um, quite open to lots of different subjects at university. Definitely. And a guess for what they studied at university? So at university, I know at Cardiff, we do courses like accounting and economics. So I'm going to guess it would be something like that that would be in our school of business. And again, a good logical guess, they'd studied law. Ah, nice. This is a good example of how one subject that you study doesn't necessarily have to lead into that profession. Definitely. Uh, uh, you know, certain professions obviously might have some more specific subjects at university that can help, as we discussed last time. But also at the same time, lots of jobs, um, as Scott said, would just say that they would like this degree, you know, so for example, a 2-1 degree and not even necessarily say what subject that needs to be in. So a banker, they studied law. Maybe they always wanted to be a banker, but they just found law interesting, or maybe they changed their mind about what they want to do whilst they're at university. Great example. There we go. That's the first one. Um, let's do one more. And this person is a primary school teacher. So what do you think they did at college? And what do you think they did at university? So I would guess at college, maybe they did... Well, if you're doing BTEC, you could do something like health and social care or uh, sometimes in A-levels, there's education or sociology, which some teachers might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Is that that anymore? Well, now I feel like I should say some more because maybe (laughs) I haven't got the answer right. Um, But no, I'll I'll stick with those three and let's see what the answers are. Okay. So in college, they studied chemistry, psychology and the Welsh back. Great. Nice, nice mix there. Very, yeah, a, um, a mix of different subjects. And then for their degree, what do you reckon they did? Well, if they've, I'm assuming they've only done one degree, so it would have to be a teaching degree. I feel like I might have let you down a bit there, Scott, because the way that I phrased that question did make it sound like they've only done one degree. <laughs> <laughs> so they went on to do a, a subject as an undergraduate, and then they did a postgraduate in a PGCE, would that be right? Yes, that's right. So they did education and early childhood studies as their degree. So a subject degree, obviously orientated around education. And then a PGCE, which is the extra bit you have to do if you haven't done a teaching degree as your main degree to qualify and teach. Yeah, so there are two routes for teachers, aren't there? You can do, well, there are are more than two routes, but through university, you can do an undergraduate degree which is the first degree that you would do. And you could do that in teaching or you could do any subject as your undergraduate degree. And then you could do a PGCE uh, in in teaching. Uh, that's the teaching master's program that you could do uh, afterwards. Uh, it's a teaching postgraduate program, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And so from these two, two examples, you can see that there is, you know, not a formula for you to work out what it is you want to do as a job and then follow that from down, you know, from a job to your degree, to what you're studying in college. Sometimes it can help to know what you want to do as a career and that can impact your decisions and help you decide. But also sometimes you can just explore what you enjoy. And then there's quite a lot of flexibility going from each stage to, you know, um, find out what that might be. And you don't have to stick to one thing, which is nice. 
Yeah, lots of flexibility and lots of options available. Yeah. And if you are interested in exploring a little bit more about, say, for example, you are interested in a certain career, like a primary school teacher, but you're not exactly sure what things would be helpful for you to get there, then there's a really useful website which we can put in the description of this episode, which can take you through some of those examples and what people actually studied to get into certain careers, which might be helpful to help you decide. In the next episode, we will be discussing UCAS and the application process, including writing your personal statement. In future episodes, we want to include even more autistic voices. If you want to be involved or have any feedback on how we can make this podcast more useful, please contact us. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast or any of the programmes we run, you can visit our website, cardiff.ac.uk, follow us on Twitter at cu underscore outreach, or drop us an email on outreach at cardiff.ac.uk. Thanks for listening.